Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Metzger, and today uh, Matt Bosty comes back and joins me. He was on, I believe, episode two of the podcast way back when there was not much to talk about, um, and he joins me today for episode 17 uh, when we have a lot more to discuss and break down, and uh, it's, it's really great. I think everyone will enjoy it, but real quickly, there was so much to break down. We forgot the Tim Stutzel goal on Thursday night, and I wanted to touch on that because about an hour after Matt and I uh, finished recording, he shot me a message and said, how did we forget the Tim Stutzel goal? And uh, I'm like, you're right. Like it's It was it was a beauty. There's no way we shouldn't have touched on it, so I'm going to do that quick. Um, uh, we, we talked about, you know, Tim Stutzel was again was kind of in the news uh on Twitter, well, not in the news, but on Twitter, and just, you know, his analytics are going around. I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, and I do think it's something that, you know, you need to keep paying attention to, and you can't just ignore, but, um, you know, Thursday night was a perfect example of why I think he should stay in the NHL. You know, he clearly has the talent and is ready for the NHL. He, he breaks in, it's the first goal against Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday, if anyone missed it, and breaks in, and then he took the original shot, and I thought it went through Hutchinson, and then you look on uh, you look on the replay, and he absolutely just shelves the puck, like, just a beauty of a shot right over the top shoulder into the bar down. And it was just an absolute beautiful placement. And that's kind of the thing where I think, uh, you know, that, that you see there, and that's why Tim Stutzel has the talent and he has the motivation, I think, that he should stay in the NHL, especially just seeing what the AHL this year is for Ottawa. So I wanted to touch on that really quick before we actually get into the main part of the podcast because Matt and I forgot to touch on that. But uh, yeah, we go through a lot here. I think everyone's really going to enjoy it. You know, we, uh, we, we recap the past five games. There was two Winnipeg games in there. Talk about uh, the, the goaltending and their trends recently. Do a lot of, uh, we get a little sidetracked, a, a lot sidetracked, but we do a big deep dive on that 6-5 comeback win, I think, as everyone would expect. And then also quickly take a look at the last couple games, you know, and just discuss uh, a lot of stuff, really. Just, you know, prospect development, all that kind of stuff. So, um, as always, you know, if there's anyone you want to hear uh, on the podcast, shoot me a message on Twitter, at LastWordOnSends or at NHLSends and stuff. And, and thank you so much for the support, everyone. Uh, it really means a lot. I think the, the podcast account's up over 300. 160 followers now, and uh, my personal account's up over 1,050. So uh, thank you for the continued support. It, it really means a lot, and I hope everyone enjoys. Joining me now, he is the first two-time guest on this podcast. It is the one and only Matt Bosty. Matt, how's it going, man? Hey, good morning. Uh, not doing too bad, even after the unfortunate loss last night. I think there's something that still has kept my Ottawa Senators spirits up this week. So uh, I'm excited to relive those moments. Thanks so much for having me back. I don't know why uh, you would have me a second time, but uh, I'll take it. Oh, my pleasure, man. And no, honestly, I think it was one of the most fun conversations I've got to have yet when you had it <laughs> on the first time. And it was funny because when I, when I had you on last time, it was my second episode and I was starting it. I think it was September, just kind of in the dead of just nothing happening at all in <laughs> hockey. And I remember I was like, what are we going to talk about? We ended up talking 20 minutes about a Christian Yaros trade and then made the episode <laughs> last an hour and 10. I was like, oh, man. So I, I, I definitely shut up. I definitely had to have you back on when we actually had stuff to talk about. And I was like, what better week than when uh, a 5-1 lead is blown? And we will get into that. Don't, don't, uh, don't everyone worry here. Um, you know, the last time I recorded, I was talking to you and it was just before the two Winnipeg Jets games, I believe. Um, and so I, I figured we should go through those as well. I'm trying to 
throw my memory back to some of those. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, they lost 5-1 on the Thursday and then came back out on the Saturday. During the day, it was Hockey Day in Canada and won 2-1. That was the last second. Uh, Brady Kachuk ticked with eight seconds left. And, and um, you know, they, they showed some fight in that game. Uh, you know, even, even the 5-1 game, it wasn't... Uh, Definitely wasn't ideal, that's for sure. But uh, in the two-one game, you know, it was it was Hogberg getting the start. Uh, Matt Murray had went down, obviously, uh, and he finally looked all right. If I, you know, like he he, uh, I think the goaltending has been interesting this week. I, it's going to be a big talking point of all <laughs> five games here. But it's been very up and down, and. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that I'm saying it, yeah, it was Hogberg. He stopped 30 of 31 uh, stops, looked really good at a 968, kept the Senators in the game for the whole game. And um, it, it was the first real time, I think, this year where it was like, okay, that was just a legitimately good outing from uh, Marcus Hogberg. And it was nice to see. It was, oh, I was I was cheering for him so hard. I uh, It was really hard to watch Hoggy and some of the early games because it wasn't even just like, oh, here's a bad goal here or there. It looked like he had forgotten the fundamentals, pushing himself out of the net, attacking the pucks that had no need to be attacked and making himself smaller. So I had uh, I had said some harsh things on Twitter, uh, maybe harsh by my standards, which is is a little different. But I, I honestly thought after I think it was the five one game or maybe the three two game that he was going to go to the taxi squad i didn't think that there was any chance that a team would claim him on uh, on waivers and he looked so out of sorts that i thought they were gonna they were gonna swap in gus swap in uh joey dax uh, just in case but uh or it just just to try and change it up but he came out there and he put on honestly i would put that in one of his best games ever not even just for this season even after last season he was he was calm he was consistent he had some very smart plays he didn't let in a single kind of iffy goal he just played a fantastic solid game and then after that yeah his numbers might not look fantastic uh but the next game against toronto yeah he i think he let him five yeah, he let him. Yeah. He let him five. Hard. I can't blame him on those goals. They weren't done by. Uh, they weren't goals that he let in from uh, bad positioning or anything like that. It was just Toronto was really damn good at getting goals that game. So I was that that that's my highlight of that week, not of the of the month. But if uh, if there was a certain not other thing, that would be my highlight there, just because I felt so good for the guy, and. My confidence is back up. Maybe I'm a fickle, uh, a fickle fan, and I shouldn't be tweeting hate when one good game gets me to be like, "No, all is forgiven, Marcus. Come on back. Hope you're feeling better." Well, and he's a really easily easy guy to root for, right? You know, yeah. all of last year, he was one of the few bright spots in that that end of last last month or two from last season, where it was like you were just kind of tuning games in if you enjoyed pain. It felt like because it, <laughs> there was just nothing to watch half the time, right? And you know, so from that point, it's like, yeah, like I want to see him do good too, and it was really good seeing him. I, oh, I hope he's okay. You know, obviously in this third Toronto game. He goes down with an injury, and honestly, I thought he looked a little hurt before that too. And then he went and slid side to side and looked like he tweaked something. So yeah, uh, it's, he's already kind of been ruled out for this this coming weekend. But hopefully, he's you know okay. It's it's a small thing, and he misses a week and not a month or anything like that, right? But you know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see if we get an update or whatever. But um, yeah, it, it was really good to see him just kind of bounce back and finally have that game because, as you said, it wasn't just 
some bad luck or a bad goal here or there. It legitimately looked like he forgot how to play goalie for it was it was absurd. Him yeah. and Murray, I thought like if I didn't have such respect for uh, Gruel Gruel Grulu, I don't know. I can't say it. Our uh, our lovely uh, goalie coach because I think he did great work with Anderson. I thought he did a lot of good work last year too. I would have thought that he was sabotaging the team. Because both of the goalies were making these gaffes that it's just like my level of goaltending is very low. Like I played growing up and I was not great. Uh, and I would know like, oh, you don't do that. <laughs> you would never you would never make that kind of play. Why are you pushing out of the crease at this point? Why are you leaning to the left to try and get around someone? And it's it's uh, it was just frustrating to watch because it, it had the feeling that no matter how well our forwards did and for a while while our forwards were, were looking fantastic with all the shots and everything we were getting, uh, it just felt like it was moot to even kind of get excited for a goal because you knew one, one or two were coming back, uh, going in the net for some weird reason. But I don't know. Maybe it's uh, – what, what did Murray come back from injury? Was that pre-Edmonton? Yes. Um, yeah, it would have been the fourth, yeah. the Montreal game, the Montreal game. Yeah. Since then – he he's looked much much better too. So I it's it this week has been or I guess this month has been a lot easier to watch from a uh, from a goaltending perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the theme of the last couple of games definitely hasn't been. And it's funny because as I say that they've led up <laughs> five five seven in three of their games, but it, it hasn't been being sunk by goaltending, which is just mm-hmm. it's such a nice change from the beginning of the year where I think there was a legitimate argument where it's like. Yes, this team has lots of other issues. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> it's impossible to win any kind of hockey game if you have a couple of those issues and also you're getting 850 goaltending, which they were for a legitimate <laughs> two-week stretch, right? So oh. it, it, it's nice to see that, you know, uh, the, the 5-1 Jets game aside, that was pretty ugly in terms of uh, a goaltending standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I believe that was a game that Murray kind of re-aggravated his injury as well. And, you know, um, but the two-one Jets game was beautiful, and then you get to Monday night, and uh, <laughs> it is it is incredible how much about twenty-four minutes of gameplay can make a difference because it's so perfect. Heading into that second intermission, it was five-two. It was five. It was almost five-one. Right? It was five-one at one it, point. It, it, it was. If it, if it wasn't for a late Nick Paul penalty kill goal, it was going to be five-one heading into the intermission everyone's tweet and i mean everyone if you're trying to say you were otherwise you were lying was just like man like this team is just if they're gonna lose at least don't do it like this like at least make it exciting <laughs> you know stay in games like nothing looks good again you know mm-hmm. I, i'm not saying Hamburg was taking the blame but there was one or two maybe he would want back right yeah he didn't make saves that he I think who I can't remember who described it might have been Jamie McLennan who said Hogwarts made the saves he's supposed to make, but he hasn't made any of them that are surprising that game. And that that is how I would definitely classify that where it was just like, okay, you know what? That's a hard shot to stop, but you still want to see one or two a game where it's like, oh, well, especially for Hogberg, because I'm remembering back uh, last year where he was so athletic, so, so how he made some of those saves where it would be like eight shots in a row right from in front of him. And he would just be kind of hassocking from left and right. Like that's, that's when I think of uh Hogberg, that's what I think of rather than the kind of the stoic, the, the positional play is I think of that athleticism to make the plays and make the saves that are, uh, that are a little bit tricky. And he just wasn't there on that night for 
how many minutes was it? Uh, <laughs> for about 40... 38, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. About 38 minutes of that wasn't there that game. But then, uh, that that Nick Paul goal, that was something else. And I think to, to try that hard, to push that hard, uh, right before the intermission was the spark. I think it's it's hard not to say that that definitely sparked the team going in there. I don't know if they were saying, yeah, let's let's get on back, let's go, and then you have you have Zub come out of there, score his first NHL goal. It was just so many feel good moments that you knew it was going to happen. Like as soon as we got that fourth goal, I'm like, no, we're winning this game. I had zero doubt, zero doubt in my mind. It like I, I'm trying to think of the moment where I really snapped back into the game. I was like, holy, <laughs> like they, they could do this. And like, so yeah, it was the, the Nick Paul scores a goal and great goal. Like I think that sums up his season. You know, he's working real hard. He's looking good. There was a bit of splash on it as well. Just a nice all round goal. All things considered. It was perfect. That I think sums up what Nick Paul in 2021 <laughs> has been. Right. Oh, and fantastic. Yeah, He's still going the intermission. Everyone like on Twitter, obviously is a little more down because it was an ugly 40 minutes. Like it was, it was not an exciting hockey game and they were just kind of getting killed in any possible way. And, and against the Leafs. And that's the thing is like, you know what? I can lose games, but after a promising one from, from Winnipeg into just that, I was like, uh, yeah. not tonight. Nope. I was watching the movie Waterworld, the <laughs> 90s classic. Uh, at the same time, I've got a, a couple of buds. We watch uh, one bad movie a week and then make a ranking out of it. And it was the Waterworld night. But I have both it on my, mo- my other monitor, too. So I watched the game and I was actually focused more on Waterworld for that second period. Yeah, and that was what I was noticing. Like, why am I watching this instead of the hockey? Like, I'm just here because my friends are here. I don't want to watch Kevin Costner get out of here. But it was just like, I got to see if he can find this weird ship or whatever the hell he's looking for. I still don't know after watching that movie. But then that third, as soon as Nick scored, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep my eye open a little bit more. And it just kept going. It was so great. Yeah, well, and it was like, when it was 5-2, it's like, okay, like, Now maybe the team won't, the both teams won't shut down because so often we've seen this year a team just gets so far ahead of Ottawa where it's oh, yeah. like why would we bother trying in this third <laughs> period you know yeah like, Toronto shut down and it was like Zub comes out of the box obviously beautiful breakaway goal gets his first career oh. NHL goal Sally could use a little bit of work but it's just a perfect <laughs> perfect feel good moment you know and even then it, it was weird because in hindsight you know it's the Leafs and you shouldn't think oh okay yeah no they're not in this but I was like it's still 5-3 how many times this year have we seen them be down by two and it really doesn't matter and so I still kind of like I'm paying attention but I I got some school (laughs) stuff or whatever I'm doing a little bit other on my laptop I'm watching the game and then they get the 5-4 goal and I go oh wow like they they're like right back and then this is like that goal is beautiful beautiful that amazing for a team that looked like they were having trouble getting their setups and opposing uh ends that was fantastic the taps the quick tap here into that rocket by connor brown where did that come from like i know he's got a shot but that thing was ridiculous the the accuracy and the velocity on that it was just a little quick tap it wasn't even he for me he always strikes me as the 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 player to kind of get in the right position to to get be there for a cross crease pass for for a good quick shot he has a great wrister i do not think of him as the yeah quick Quick little tap to me, and I am going to hit a ridiculous one-timer. And 
Frederick Anderson was square to that shooter, and that's the thing that I always get. It, he was looking at both of them that whole time, and he legit just got beat by Connor Brown. Fantastic. Also, because I know it makes Leafs fans mad, because Connor Brown is... Uh, I think Connor Brown's the kind of player that the Leafs would absolutely love. Someone for about $4 million can play in your middle six, up and down. Uh, but they had to... That was the the price to pay to get rid of Nikita. Yeah, and I mean, it was just, it was such a beautiful, just little give and oh. go too, like just a, a, t- a tic-tac-toe, and yeah, it was just such so a good, good goal, and then, you know, th- then I'm like, I'm on the edges of my seat, my dad's watching with me, he's not even a Sens fan, he's a Habs fan, <laughs> but of course, because he's a Habs fan, he's loving this too, because they're oh, in the yeah. division race, right, so he's going, oh my god, they might actually do it, I was like, I know, and then, so <laughs> we're, like, we're watching the two minutes left, uh, DJ Smith pulls the, the goalie nice and early. And this is a really underrated thing that I love. Uh, a lot of analytics say, suggest now that around two minutes and 30 seconds, if you have possession in the offensive zone is when you actually should be pulling your goalie. It's the most time to maximize scoring. And it also takes in effect getting scored on as well. Right. And mm-hmm. so when you're down one, the analytics suggest 230. And that's a little earlier than what, you know, common sense would be. I think uh, even two years ago, it might've been a minute, a minute 15, DJ Smith gets the goalie out nice and early. And guess what? It ends up in a goal. Uh, the shot bounces right in front. And it was Dadanov who just swats the puck in. And <laughs> we're, we're tied up. And it was just, this is one of my favorite little things about the season. But just the, the selly from the five or six guys oh. on the ice of Dadanov, Shabbat, Stutzel, uh, Norris, Batherson, I believe, was out there. And Kachuk. Yep. Those six all just embracing each other along the boards was just such a cool moment to see. You could tell they needed that. They needed yeah. a game where they were scoring a bunch with a lot of emotion in it. And it, it I felt so good for them. <laughs> it's just like I knew that they were going to be vibing that night. I knew that the locker room going in was going to be a great place. And I'm sure they've had some pretty rough ones. And uh, especially in COVID time when you're traveling, it's like they get to go back to one hotel, <laughs> hang out in a few designated areas, and then go back to their rooms. I, it was really really tough to watch them lose so many on the road out in the West coast. So I, last thing I wanted to do was see them follow up a, a very strong performance against the jets with a, a huge loss against the Leafs and just have to deal with that. But like we're going on, they ended up four goals in how, when was the first one scored in the third? Um, It would have been about a minute, a minute in because it was yeah. the sub goal right off the penalty kill. So yeah. about a so, minute in. 19-ish minutes of, of goal scoring, more goals than we had scored in any game, I think, in February. I don't think we had scored more than two in February up until that point. And you could see, like you were saying, the celebrations were all Mark Stone level out there. The uh, the excitement, the, the fun that they were having. And the fact that it was against the Leafs just makes it so much better. So much better against any other team, even Montreal. I know we have a rivalry with Montreal, but like any other team, and that hits nowhere near the same, you know, like just nowhere near. Absolutely. And like, I, I hate Montreal. I think they're crap. I, but the thing is Montreal fans are, they're deluded about Montreal, but they understand hockey. Like the thing about Montreal fans is they they will think the Has are gonna win the the cup and that every ref is against them and that's a little frustrating. But these fans, I'm almost convinced some of them don't understand the sport. And I'm not trying to gatekeep or anything like that, but just like don't jump into my mentions saying like some nonsense crap. And I'm just like that's not even a rule. Uh, sort of sort of space that's going on. So when you can 
see those mouth breathers absolutely get completely trashed and there's just so many times where this has happened where it's like what was it i was watching a post yesterday where someone was just like absolutely livid that austin matthews isn't getting more heart trophy talk which like it's it's february and it's like come on chill a little bit here and also take a look at nate mckinnon take a look at, at connor mcdavid what he is doing is not like it's very it's very impressive how many goals he has is it 19 or is it 15 yeah, i think it's, it's, 15, it's like it's 25 percent of his team's goals yeah exactly which is, exactly, itself, which is but. nuts but a, a worrying trend because if those goals uh <laughs> but yeah. that's who i think of in those moments is i think of those people who are so angry on twitter over something like austin matthews not getting enough like happy tweets by a couple of sports media people. I just know that when that game was over, they were so mad. They were angry. And that's, that's what I love about games against the Leafs. And the last two seasons, it's been amazing for, for Leafs games. Cause if we lose, it's like, yeah, of course we did. Yeah, like get out of here. But, but yeah, exactly. But like here, it's like, we have beat you twice. We have not beat. We barely have more than two wins Toronto, but we have beat you twice. Take that. You're not going to the playoffs. You're not going anywhere there. If you can't beat Ottawa, come on, look at Edmonton. They make it easy every time. It just, it's, it, it, I think the best part about it, well, the best and worst, obviously, is there's just so many Leaf fans that there's good ones too. Like, I follow a ton of great follows, uh, like people I enjoy talking to every day, yeah. they're Leaf fans, but there are so many just at mouth breathers, as you say, where it's like, <laughs> in, in just the reply, it's like, Matthews is goat. It's like, okay, like, I, like, I've done nothing but compliment Austin Matthews. I think he's a <laughs> phenomenal player, you know? Hell, yeah. I had a thread on him yesterday, one, because, Edmonton fans can be the same way if you get like anytime you say something good about Matthews, they take it as a slight against McDavid or Dreisaitl. It's so weird. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, just enjoy the two generational players that you get to watch every night. It's like but, no one is saying anything bad about those players play. No yeah, one. I'm trying to literally. think back. Were we ever like I guess rose colored glasses and all? We definitely were probably pretty touchy about Carlson at times, but like. Like, Sometimes he, it was worth it. Like screw Dowdy. Like he yeah. should never have won that Norris. Like we're we're going after things that matter, not just some random tweets about like, hey, you know what? I really think this person's great. Well, don't ignore this. Exactly. Like if someone said Dowdy's a good player, no one would be like, yeah, but Carlson's better. Don't disrespect Carlson like that. It's like, <laughs> no, it's just like when people got mad, it was because Dowdy <laughs> absolutely did not deserve that Norris trophy. Was, and that's why absurd. people got upset. Right. But it was, it was like, absurd. it wasn't just like anytime someone mentioned Drew Dowdy, people were like, you can't disrespect Eric Carlson, which is exactly <laughs> what happens when someone mentions Austin Matthews. You just get a bunch of Edmonton avatars. It's like, like why, you, why are you disrespecting McDavid like that? It's like, guys, like, I'm relaxed. I don't care this much. Who says anything bad about McDavid ever? Yeah, like, like, exactly. like, that's the thing. It's, it is just praise from every angle for good reason. Yeah. Unreal. It's, just, it's like no one's shit talking McDavid here. It's like we there's just there's multiple <laughs> great players in the league. But anyways, you know, yeah, yeah, back, yeah. we get to the overtime and Mitch oh. Marner has one of the best overtimes I've actually seen from a single player. I'm not going to lie. He was all over the ice there and almost buries one. It goes back to the point. Matthews had a wide open shot. If he would have caught that pass, thank God he didn't because it was an open net. So I think it was Riley. Just it tried, was Riley. Yeah. Just it it would have been. Up. 
It would have been a hard pass to make. I, I chirped on Twitter because, of course, that's <laughs> what I have this season, saying, why wouldn't you pass to Matthews? But he was coming in with a lot of speed. And to make that pass, he would have had to kind of stop. And then Hoggy would have been able to kind of reposition. Uh, so I don't think it was a terrible idea for him to take that shot in any in any way. But when you look at that little, that it's couple of frames, yeah. it's just like you see Matthews, who has two goals already that night, perfectly positioned with a, a whole bunch of net looking at him and just knowing that that shot went right into the uh, into the thick of things right into daddy's pants and then uh, what happens next it's 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 a heritage moment it's amazing yeah I mean so yeah the block shot obviously goes the other way a, a nice all three of the guys got a touch on the puck and yep. all of them just look nice just smooth controlled Dadnov on the breakaway absolutely buries <laughs> it game over bench is absolutely loving it just the perfect end to it. Just an insane night. And this was awesome. And what was just even better, just icing on the cake, is watching Leaf fans melt down for oh about 24 God. hours. It like, was amazing. They were comparing this to the David Ayers game, <laughs> which I'm like, no, I'm sorry. There's no way losing to an actual NHL team with actual NHL talent and yes, it's an embarrassing loss, but it's a random game in a pandemic season in February is worse than losing to your own Zamboni drive. There is not, I can't, when will it ever be worse? Like, I can't think of a time where a loss could be possibly. worse because everything fell into this amazing, amazing little like bowl of sadness for the Leafs of like, yeah. okay, you're, you, you were losing a game and you get this like, this little little hit, like okay, the first goalie's injured. Oh, then the second one is the goalie is a forty-two-year-old Zamboni driver on your payroll. Like, yeah. I, there will be more e-bug moments in the history of the world, of course, uh, but there will never be one where it's a Zamboni driver on your payroll, yeah. and it's oh, I'll, it'll never get old. But no. that, you were saying it. People were saying like, I'll rank this Leafs loss, and people were putting it right behind that. So to me, that sends win doesn't even come close to uh, that kind of, well, okay, no, I it definitely is going to be one that I'm going to think of for a long time. But maybe it's just because the Sens have had some success in the last uh, decade where the Leafs haven't. So I'm like, yeah, that was a great win, but it was just a win in a pandemic season uh, and one that we're not going anywhere with. I much prefer ones where it's like, okay, tourist is snipes in overtime in the playoffs or something like that. MacArthur scores when he comes back. Right? Exactly. Like, Bobby Ryan putting up, well, I guess, no, that's a bunch of games, but 15 points in 19 games. I looked it up the other day. What the hell? That was absurd. That playoffs yeah. run. Uh, but seeing them just get so down on the team was better than the win itself. The best part about it is it's not like this is like a loss to put them at seven, seven and two or anything like that, where no. they're disappointing at five. They're 11, three and two <laughs> after this game. They still have the best record in hockey and the third best win percentage points in hockey, like the whole league. And they're just freaking out about how just pathetic this team is. It was like, Yes, it's an embarrassing <laughs> loss, but like, guys, relax. Like, it happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and like, just the best way to describe it is, you know, again, level head. It was like the guys from Evolving Hockey went through and they went and they took their uh, goals above replacement model and they looked through the 
I guess, 10 and a half or no, it'd be 12 years of data since 07, pretty much. Yeah. They have data on games and they looked at what the biggest collapse was. So what was the biggest win predictor that they had? And it was the Hawks in 2010 blew a five goal lead to Minnesota. And yeah. People were like, oh, yeah, that Hawks team was a bust. What did they do in 2010? <laughs> they went on to win the cup, yeah. right? And it's like, and you can have a bad game. Yes, I'm not saying yeah. the Leafs are going to go win the cup or anything like that. But it's like, <laughs> it just goes to show that the best of teams can have horrid games. And it's like, but it just, the tears just, and I would have been in a bad mood too. Don't get me wrong. But oh, like, yeah. There's a difference between being like, man, how did we blow that? And being like, don't talk to me for the rest of the night. This team is absolutely <laughs> the worst thing. It's like. Oh my God, guys, like well, just have a little bit of like chill. You know what I mean? Like there is no nuance to a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> oh. It is either we are planning the parade right now, or this is the worst team I've ever seen iced. And it is, it is absurd. I don't know how you can deal with that. Maybe, I guess it gets a little bit easier when you are winning games and stuff like that. But if I had to go into every sense game, especially the last two seasons with this, like, if I see a mistake, it's going to ruin my day kind of thing. Oh, you just be depressed for two years. Like, and then the worst part, like how bad is Toronto? Like, how long has Toronto been bad? It's like, you think by now they'd be a little more used to being like, all right, guys, let's take it a little bit easy here on both ways. Right. It's like, yeah. this isn't the worst we've seen by any means over the past decade, but like, we saw what happened in 2013. Let's not. And like, again, they're a little, or 2014, I guess was the epic collapse, but <laughs> I, it's like, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, literally, it's like they have two good games in a row, plan the parade. We're going all the way. They have a singular bad game. It's like, this team is so flawed. They just can't get it done. It's like, okay, like <laughs> you can't have it both ways here, but I, I guess we should get over this a little bit. And because it was unfortunately two more games to talk about. <laughs> I, I don't and, remember them. No, what games? What are you talking about? No. Wednesday night, they come out two one Toronto win. Honestly, I like this game from an Ottawa perspective. I thought it was a solid game. I thought, I, honestly, I thought they were the better team, not by like yep. a ton, but I thought they played well and, they just, you know, it just it didn't it didn't end up winning, you know. Uh, out of all of the games in the, that two month middle stretch of uh, February, that this one's my favorite from a hockey perspective, not from a emotion or anything like that. I thought they played a complete game from the moment the puck dropped. A very defensive focus game too, which the, this team has had trouble with. But they were collapsing. They did a very good job of actually keeping the Leafs uh, players outside of high scoring. Uh, high danger areas uh, and a little a, cup, a bounce here uh, here or there and that game was ours We, I do think we were the slightly better team that doesn't always mean you win uh, I was happy with the effort of basically everyone on that I, on that team I thought, uh, I thought that Murray looked fantastic in net made a lot of really good saves I thought that our shooters were, were set up very well. Just a smart game. One where, you know what, you can win those on other nights. It just wasn't in the cards for us that night. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. You know, and teams are going to lose those games, you know, throughout oh, the yeah. year. And there's not, and I think like, again, that's the perfect, perfect way to lose if you're a rebuilding team. It's like, yeah, you don't need to oh, win yeah. a, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone's going to love seeing the team win a bunch in a row, but for the long-term plan, it's not bad when this team loses a couple games here and there. Um, but as long as they're in that fashion and not in the eight five <laughs> and you know six oh. one fashions we were seeing earlier in the year, right? or or our own collapses against Winnipeg of going in four two and exactly, losing five right? five two every time or five four. Yeah, every because time. all the yeah. veterans are on the ice or whatever. It's like, oh my god! Like if it's just <laughs> young mistakes, that's okay. I don't oh, mind that's that. Fine. And, 
and yeah, I, I really thought that this, uh, you know, that this was probably their best game of the season just from, uh, and you know, Toronto wanted to win. And that's, oh, a, yeah. that's the other big thing is I think that the team looked at what was going to happen and they came out very collected because they knew Toronto wanted to put a statement being like, that's not us. We're going to win this game. And the fact that they held them to two goals uh, and they played a, a smothering, very smart game. I think uh, shows that there's a lot of good leadership in the room and that there's a lot of skill and, uh, and brains. And they dominated that first period is the coolest part to me. Mm-hmm. Like they, like they dominated that first, the, the, the back 40, uh, I think Toronto maybe was a little bit better, but you know, not like a ton or anything, but that first, we didn't period, look outclassed. Yeah. We no, didn't look no, no, outclassed no. Yeah, even they, when they Toronto was right the one. In. And yep. I, I think this is the like the number. I know the numbers don't always suggest it, right? You know, the, you've had some what about it, but they're expected goals, jokes, and stuff, and that's totally fair, especially in a short sample. But oh, it, it, I, I'm abs. I think expected goals. I just want to say, I think it's a great metric. It's just it makes me laugh when it was like you would look at our Ottawa one, and it's like, oh, their expected goals are good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I definitely get it. And, <laughs> no, well, no, no. my biggest thing has been like this team is so bad sometimes where you know, we have score adjusted metrics and I don't think they do a good enough job for how bad this team can be because in a, in a pandemic shortened season, I think teams shut down even more to the point where Ottawa can outshoot teams even more. Yeah. So like if you're down three after two, it's probably double the amount of what you used to get because teams care even less right now. Right. Oh, like, absolutely. And it, as we saw for, for the Sanders too, is just when, emotions everyone is dealing with this this covid situation of course and we're coming up to the one year anniversary of the big wave so i i know personally there have been some tougher days than others and i am not having to stay at a hotel and get and lose games on television so i can't blame any team where you know what when you're down a couple of goals doesn't have that jump but uh unless it's against the leafs if you yeah. if you give up against the leafs that just can't happen for Ottawa because we need this. Exactly. And I think, they're, <laughs> you know, their metrics that game told the story yeah. pretty well. You know, their Corsi oh, yeah. 4 percentage in the first period. Uh, Ottawa controlled 77% of the shot attempts, which, again, like, I, I think that's right around where I thought it was. They dominated play. Uh, the we, second we period, hit, if I'm remembering right for that, we hit almost every shot we took to the net as well. Yeah, I think there, it was, like the it was something or something stupid yeah, like that. It was like, we were not missing the net yeah. in any way. It was it was fantastic. It was great. Yeah, loved Fred, it. Freddie loved Anderson it. Loved played seeing. a great game. Yeah, but it was. And, yeah, second <laughs> period forty-seven percent, and the third period fifty percent. So none none of the periods they were outclassed at all. But it was just the second period they were very slightly outplayed, and the third period it was even even and. Guess what? The, this Toronto Maple Leafs team just has more shooting talent than the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. So when you have a 50-50 game like that, that Toronto team's just going to win out more often than they don't. And again, it have I, I have no issues with that game at all. I, I thought that no. was like just and it was an entertaining two-one game too. You know, sometimes it's a two-one game. It's like this sucks. Like, can we just get this over with? I <laughs> thought that was a pretty entertaining game overall. You know? Like, oh yeah, absolutely, but, absolutely. It was fun. It was there was a lot. There was a lot to it. Never got stupid in any way or anything like that. It was just very good hockey from both clubs. It was a very, very good hockey game. If they lose like that, you know, 15 more times, 20 more times this year, I I just, I won't complain. I can't, I can't complain because it's, you know, obviously you want to see some wins, but at the same time, it's like, that was a good game. There's very clear growth from some of the young guys and, and, 
you know, I, I just, it was a fun one to watch all around and, you know, we'll get in some bigger trends here because I think, you know, people are probably bored of the recaps, but um, you know, the last one was last night, seven, three, uh, it was five, one at one point and they made it five, two in the second period. People were like, I don't know, but uh, now Toronto stopped it. Toronto, you know, they, I thought they were the better team last night. I didn't think Ottawa played horribly, but I just, there were so many factors against Ottawa. And I think uh, a big thing that you, we can look at a couple of games where Shabbat is out. We are a different team. And yes. it's because we run so much of our, of our plays through Shabbat because, well, we're kind of, our, our decor is not the strongest. Uh, and he is such a good first pass. He is such a smart player. Without him, we really, really, really lose a lot of our neutral zone play. And that it, it was most evident yesterday for the game to me. Yes, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I didn't think Willannon or Branstrom played all that bad. I, I like what they brought to the game, yeah. but it's just Shabbat is just so good. And that's why it's like, you know, we, I mean, I, I myself am a victim of it sometimes this year. I've been nitpicking his defensive play a little more because it's like, if he wants to take the step from like the 15th, to 20th best defenseman, which I think he is now to like top, top five, 10. top 10, he's yeah. got to be a little better defensively, but then you watch him when you watch his team when he's not in the lineup and you go, Oh yeah, I forget just how good he is sometimes, you know, just creating things defensively, offensively, and in the transition, he's just clearing away the team's best defenseman. Oh, absolutely. And I I think he'd be the best defenseman on most teams as well. Uh, I, I don't think it's wrong to nitpick some of his uh, defensive play though, because there have been some bad moves and there have been kind of uncharacteristic gaffes of kind of losing the puck or losing his player and letting them have uh, a lot of open space that they shouldn't have uh, on that. But it is clear that the team system uses him. And that's why when he goes down, they, they put Mike Riley in who outside after his horrible first few games has really been an all right player. Like he's not, he's not world beater or anything like that, but for, for his price. Yeah, exactly. Completely fine. Good passer. Not, uh, I I want to say not stupid, but there are some stupid moments, but (laughs) he is like, I had uh, Nate from silver seven on the other last podcast and he described it best. It's like, he makes a couple really, really good plays and then just some, what on earth are you doing, Blaze? And that came up a couple times this week. Like, well, I remember a weird pitch where, like, he wasn't he wasn't even close to first on puck, and it was like past the 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 hash marks too. And I was like, no, 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 yeah. please don't. But nothing came out of it. I think uh, I think Brady had circled back to take his position, which I don't know if if you've noticed, but Brady Kachuk has started uh, covering D pinches so well, which is just so weird for Brady Kachuk because his house is in front of the net. But there's a lot of the games where he will see someone pitch up and he'll just jump back in and then he'll be the D on a, uh, in the neutral zone. And then I think it's clear he doesn't want to get, let it get into our zone. Cause then I'll just hit the person as, as much as he can, uh, which is funny, but it's uh, I've been really happy with, with Brady this year is his points aren't where I would have liked it to be in, in the first 15 games. I would have wanted to see him kind of be closer to a point per game pace. Well, actually what's he at? I know he's, he had he's got to be close. I don't think he's very yeah. far off that. To the be last honest. time I the last time I checked was I think before the uh, the Winnipeg series, and he, I think he's pot, pot, potted a goal of thing. Yeah, eleven points. Eleven, 11 points. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad actually. Uh, but you know what? I, I want to see him. I want to see him put up a lot more or a lot of points in total. Uh, but 
I am so happy with the rest of his game. And I'm not unhappy with his points either. But the rest of his game, I think he did a very conscious decision this offseason to work on things that he wasn't already good at. So he's he's a lot more poised. He hasn't been bambying all over the ice as much, except unless after the uh, least win. I don't know. Did you notice in the picture, the only person who fell climbing over the boards was Brady Kachuk? Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Brady. Uh, but he is, he is playing a lot more of a complete game rather than just the uh, the bread and butter in front of the net game but which is fantastic especially for the season where we're not supposed to really do anything him being able to work on these skills and then next season or the season after that when we might actually compete for a playoff spot in our playoff run having the skills he built up here oh i love it and i i think point wise two things go against him and that's his line mates for starters you know i, I like connor brown you know we've talked about him he, he looks yeah. good at times but he, you know, the past couple of games, he's been playing with Connor Brown and Chris Tierney and just, they're both good players. They're both fine, but they're yeah. not uh, guys you're going to be producing a ton of points with on the top line every night. Right. And, and like, go ahead. Feels, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't shut up. I'm the one who's interrupting <laughs> every time. It feels like it's more of a product of uh, necessity that he's playing with these players, yeah. just because I think it's clear that they want him to play with Batherson and Norris. Like they started him out on the season and they were good. But the problem is the rest of our lineup isn't that good. So yep. the, having to overload a line like that is uh, is a luxury that we can't afford at this point. So they put him there because he will get stuff done and bring up Tierney's and Connor's points with his skill set, but he is not being enabled. He's the one who has to generate most of the office uh, office offense. Exactly. And, you know, another thing too, is that the, the power play hasn't scored at all, you know, like, oh God, they, like know. they're like, Oh, for 19 or whatever it is, something stupid like that. But, you know, so it's one of those things where I think, you know, you get just even some luck or just a little more power play skill where they score a couple more times. He's going to get a couple points on there because, you know, he's always on that power play one unit. And then also, you know, just when he has the ability to play with, you know, Batherson or, or Norris again, where he can get a couple more skilled line mates on his line, he's going to be more effective at five on five in terms of point producing. But his possession numbers are like, like Mark Stone-esque almost this year. Yeah. Not, not obviously not quite to the degree, but he literally, it feels like every game he is well above 50%, even if everyone else is below 50%, just in expected goals, course he for, it doesn't <laughs> matter. He's just dominates at five on five. And, if, and uh, in, in whatever line that he's on, if he's with Norris, it Patterson, doesn't matter. Yep, he's with that. And it's fantastic. No, his, his complete game this season is, is unreal. I forgot that he was only 21. Yeah, when that like, graphic was going around and it's like, oh, he got 100 points as the, well, he should be the youngest senator to ever get 100 points. COVID really screwed us uh, on that one. But yeah. at the exact same time, that's a stat no one cares about no one until cares it's about happening. It yeah. So it's not worth uh, not worth worrying. And when I was like, really? Because it feels like he has been the senator's team for the last two, three years because they've been rough years. Uh, I thought he was. 23 it, yeah. it's felt like we've had Kachuk for ages so he is still in this part where I'm like he is he has so much more he can grow he has so much that he can work on and get better so that has me jazzed because if this is not even him at his peak performance I can't wait until we have a lineup where we can use his skills better and he is he is a little bit stronger a little bit smarter a little bit better all over the ice and I don't know. I think it's hard to for me to see where his ceiling is because he's such a unique player. He is legitimately so good at everything that you need right now 
that yeah. I could see. It, it's unfortunate because the thing he needs to improve on a little is the hardest thing. And that's just shooting talent. You know, <laughs> he, his expected goals are always going to be inflated because he just jams the pocket of pad on a rebound <laughs> a ton, right? And there's yeah. been, you know, I've always thought that, but I saw someone was tweeting, I can't remember who, but someone was tweeting out that, you know, he was talking to a team and who has private data with that stuff and they can track the puck a lot more. And they said pretty much, yeah, his, his expected goals are always going to be a little bit inflated just because, Obviously, if you turn around and you smack the puck twice in a pad, that counts as two <laughs> shots from right in front of the net, but yeah. they're never going in, right? But that's still, he's still so good at everything else that if you can get him a pure shooter on his line or he can just improve his talent just a little bit to the point where he's like scoring on a little bit more of these goals, I legitimately think he has potential to be like a top 10 player in the league because oh, yeah. he's already dominating possession. If he gets the points to go with it, everyone will consider him one of the best players in the league. And like, I just like at this point, I think his floor is just, well, he's already a top line winger. I just, I, his floor is just what, like, the 20th best winger in the league, I think. Like, <laughs> easy, peak, yeah, yeah, easy. And his peak is probably top three. Like, you know, so yeah. it's just, he is so good. Like, it, is there night, another player that does what he does is is the thing that I always get. Someone who has that much prowess in, inside the, uh, in front of the net, but can also make some passes, can also do these other things. Like, I can't think of another player that fits the mold here. Maybe his brother. Might, yeah, might, and like, it kind of, but they're different enough. I know. I'm like, yeah, like that's the one I think of because they're both that. Like, yeah, I, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna get my place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. score from here. I'm gonna go there. His, but, his brother's a bit more of a shooter, I think, than Brady yeah, is, right? Yeah, like exactly. But it, yeah, this. it's like they're re- he's really one of a kind, and just like mm-hmm. he's just it's honestly incredible to watch, and because it's not like he's super flashy or anything but it's just you you if you ever go back and just or even you just kind of slow things down or if you just focus on him while plays going on you go holy like this guy is amazing like, <laughs> it's just like it's one of those things where it's like and i i will like i'm trying not to take him for granted at all because i was one of the people who hated the pick at the time when it happened oh, right worst yeah. pick in the world right and you know maybe i wasn't quite as aggressive but i, I was disappointed <laughs> and he's blown my expectations out of the water and i love it i'm so happy i was so wrong about that and that's why i try Which, not to take his play for granted right like oh well, exactly exactly and especially when he his uh his comments, he's like, yeah, I read some of those uh, comments afterwards, which, you know, I think everyone can use as a moment to be like, hey, then again, what do we, how do you really predict a, a hockey draft? And, yeah. and, and and it's hard to do, but you look at, you look at, oh, wow, look at Zadina. That guy has the ability to score in a phone booth and all that. And then it's like, oh, Brady Kachuk, yeah, he's got that, but he's just a hitter. He's just a, a gritty forward. And he came in and I think the best thing was that it only took, I think, Brady like two, three games to score. Because if he had a Lafreniere style start to the season, yeah, uh, the Sens fans would never have embraced him as as it was because we were already iffy on that pick, and it, it's I I'm so glad I was wrong, and I was very tempered. I I try not to get ahead of myself. Uh, I was so glad that uh, I was wrong about Brady Kachuk because can you imagine this team without him? No, just like the past three years, I couldn't imagine this team without him. Like, like there have been painful seasons. These last three seasons have been painful. But Brady has made it fun because he'll yep. he'll bring energy, he'll bring excitement. And I have this is not a slight on on Zadina, but he is definitely not in the same caliber of player as Brady at this time. At this point in time, he might get there eventually. Personally, I don't see it after watching some Grand Rapids games and watching him in Detroit. He doesn't have that same sort of uh, elite talent ceiling that I see with Brady. Uh, but I'm thinking like if we had picked Zadina there, like. 
my God, it would have been a bummer right now. He's probably cracking like, this roster this year for the first full yes. time. Like, yeah, I don't think how sad I, that is. I don't like, think Zadina is better than Batherson. I don't think so at all uh, from what I have seen. AHL numbers wouldn't suggest it. That's for sure. Like, yeah. And it, watching him on the ice, he does not have, and that's because he's a goal scorer. His job yeah. is to put in in goals, and they're not the players that have that electric energy personality like Dadanov. It was pretty hard to watch in some of some of the early games because it just looked like, well, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, which was which was a crummy thing to watch. But then now look at him like he's got they finally played him with the line for more than a game and they're they've become our best line and he's yeah, popping he's, double. It up. He looks he's popping right? overtime goals game tying goals like uh, that's what you get a, a player like that enough for so yeah. that's what you're hoping to see out of zadina i just haven't seen it at any level in north america yet yeah, and to be fair, like in these Detroit days right now, it's not like this. <laughs> not like this Detroit team is flooded with talent for him to be scoring goals on, right? You're like, not wrong. Uh, You're absolutely but, not wrong. Yeah, the, the Kachuk thing is always interesting, and you know I don't want to touch on, it, but that's why even this year when they drafted Sanderson, you know, just from what I've read, I didn't necessarily agree with the pick, but I also wasn't like this is the worst pick in the world. How could you ever do it? It's like yeah, maybe I would have rathered someone else or see them trade down, but whatever like if he's a good prospect he's a good prospect i like as, as soon as they're drafted by ottawa it goes okay yeah i can disagree with the pick but i want to see but, them have as much success yeah, as possible right? we like, are not cheering against a player you know ever, like you know, and like, like there are picks that i'm just like oh really but then you know what it it's it's makes me happier when i'm wrong yep, it makes me like, way happier to be like well like clavin Clevin, I was yeah, just Tyler like, was exact Clevin, same thing. I was like, oh man, do we really need one of these? And then I, watching Nodak, I'm just like, oh, okay, never mind. I clearly didn't know what the hell I was talking about because you are a multifaceted player right here. And y- y- you got a crazy shot out of nowhere. Where the hell did that come from, from yeah, your draft scouting? And, so. and my biggest problem was still trading up for him. But at the same time, yeah. there's, there's nothing he can do that. That's his problem. That's, right? Yeah, exactly. So we can't like, blame yeah, him. No, like, as soon as he's part of the sense organization, like, yeah, I can not like how they got him, but I can root. For the, like, I love the, the fact that he made the world juniors out of nowhere this year. It's like, yeah, that's well, awesome. You know, like, it's fantastic. Like, oh, him and booster. him and Greg, Greg, I don't yeah, know. Ridley, it's a Greg, Ridley, I think. Ridley, Greg. Ridley Greg. I, okay. I think. Ridley yeah. Greg. They were, they were fantastic surprises because they were the ones yep. where you're just like, Oh, you are not on my radar at all. Paterica. When you're like, Oh, we can get Paterica and Stu together. This is going to yeah. happen. It's like, Oh, okay. never mind. Uh, but then the fact that he would have probably made team Canada. Well, hard to say, hard to say that was a stacked world juniors, but he would have at least been able to compete for a spot. Yes. And the fact that he is playing in the AHL, right now as a junior player Look not looking out of place account. looking yeah. fantastic like the best player on either team uh when it came to, into that third game like yeah it, it, it's looking and it's just it's one of the I applaud. Like, yeah you can you can hold judgment or be like this isn't what i would do but no one's cheering against these picks and, and that's yeah. i think where the nuance on Twitter just gets completely lost because it's either you love the team and you support every pick they make, or <laughs> this team is the absolute worst. You're a stupid hater or whatever. And there's just like, there's no in between on either side. It's like, guys, like, let's just settle in the middle. Right. Like I, I've made a couple of comments that it, the second that uh, people will hire like a PR person like a blog uh, if uh, the second a blog hires a pr or a comms person they will dominate the scene because all of this good work ends up getting muddied by just people who don't understand how to present uh the ideas and it's just like yeah 
you have amazing draft modeling and all that. But when you follow it up with like, actually, I think every pick the Senators made was a reach. You're just like, no, no one's going to be happy to hear that. Like, you can think this. This is great. This is fantastic. I want to see this data. I want to argue against it, but it has to be presented in an interactive way kind of thing. But then you get the flip side where someone is just like, no, they are working their job because they are the smart one. Who are you? And like, it's yeah. just like, no, you, they look at the math there's charts yeah. like this is here like there's there's got to be this way and i uh if i was a millionaire uh, a millionaire I, I don't know if i had a whole bunch of money i would start a weird blog but then i would hire a bunch of corporate like uh comms people to write up all of the communications and i would see if that that would get there that's actually that's basically the athletic now that i think <laughs> about it like that is a hundred percent what the athletic did uh, yeah i mean yeah it, it definitely it's weird because oh especially Okay, and we're, we're getting way off track here, but that's okay, that's okay. The, the one thing I wanted to say was, just, especially with the draft stuff, is like, and so I mentioned this last night because, um, I don't know if you saw, but we put a graphic up last night of the all the Senators defensemen to play. Oh my God. It's just the saddest list you could have ever made. It's absurd. There's so many of them, and so many of them are so bad. It's, it's like the thing that Cody gets me. Golubov is all that. It's like, what is this? But it's just like, so I was like, I, I forget who, but someone was like, oh my god. I was like, and I was like, this is why I'm really curious to see this next crop of defensemen. You know, JBD, Sanderson, um, uh, Lassie Thompson as well. How they develop because it's like. Yeah. Pierre Dorian gets a lot of credit for his drafting, and for forwards, I think it's fair. I think he does a great job hitting on forwards, but. It's not like this team has done an amazing job outside of obviously the two big picks in Carlson and Shabbat for literally the past decade and a bit choosing anyone <laughs> else in the draft, right? It's like, like Cody CC was a bust. And yes, some of that might've been reaching on him. Some of them might, might've been development. You know, I think they rushed him, but I also think he's just not the best player in the world, right? But he he was I my my theory for Cody Cece, which everyone needs to hear, is that he was always bigger than all of his peers, so he never had to learn how to play smart. Yeah, he and, he, he and just had that, fair, right? Yeah, and, and that's when you look at him, he has the skills, he has that. It was always just the big brain gaffes of like, yeah, no one does that, Cody. No one. Yeah. So. <laughs> And I think they tried to force him into a wrong role. Oh, yeah. He's more of an offensive defenseman in junior. And they go, no, you're a shutdown guy now. It's like, well, why? Like, that doesn't, why? Like, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But, yeah, it's just I'm, – I'm very curious to see how the next, you know, crop of defensemen grow because yeah. if they bust out, it's like, okay, like, yes, the draft is a crapshoot, so it might just be unlucky. But at the same time, it's like they've put a ton of assets over the past, you know, couple years into the defensemen. It's like if you don't get a couple legitimately good ones to help Shabani, we need what do we do, right? We need at least two of the four. And yeah. I, and that's that's a bare pass. Three of the four would make me happy. Of yeah. of JBD, Thompson, uh, Sanderson, and I guess Clevin yeah. would be the other or one. Even Branstrom just becoming yeah, a Yeah, Branstrom. Four, right? Yeah, exactly. So two of those five or three of those five makes me say, you know what? You did good. You, yeah. You've targeted what we needed. This is fantastic. And I also think if they all end up kind of playing out, we will have a terrifying decor, which I never thought I would say for Ottawa. But like those are some pretty wild skill ceilings if we ever hit them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the odds of every single draft prospect panning out, is just oh, slim to none, but hey, yeah. you know, um, we have some other stuff to talk about, I guess, real quickly too. Uh, the <laughs> Zingle, Zingle trade. Central All right. Yeah, he's, he's off the team. Uh, I, 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 feel, 
I, I feel bad celebrating that much that a guy's off the team. It's not his fault. He's just going to do what the coach tells him to do. Yeah. But man, he needed to be taken away like Tom Pyatt was from Guy Boucher. And just, you know, it was just so painfully obvious that Cedric Paquette really didn't have a role on this team. And it didn't really fit. It didn't make sense because our fourth line, which is who is it right now? It's Watson, Pekka, and who's their center? Uh, Norris was the center for a couple games, but it, they just, rotated guys. Yeah, they rotate. But our fourth line is not the a Paquette Sometimes fourth line. Sometimes it's step on too, right? Like, yeah, which, yeah. well, he, he that's where he belongs. Yes. But our fourth line is not the, the Lightning's fourth line of you're going to play eight minutes a night just go out there and hit and make it make it a little bit tricky win a play uh, a face off and do some okay penalty killing our fourth line is a legitimate line we want to be able to use our fourth line to gain zone control set up a chance and rotate our d in and out as a as a smart d shift and then swap back later so that is not paquette he has never been that player and it, it is well I, I think I've mentioned it with Brandon on a, on a cast of his. It's just like when I got that trade, I was like, hell yeah. We got a second to take Paquette and Coburn. Those are two great players for our taxi squad. When someone goes down, absolutely put them in. They've got a great thing. Ah, I'm super happy we're getting our taxi squad like this. But instead, <laughs> instead, we were giving them insane minutes and they were washed beyond belief. It blew my mind. Yeah, I I liked the trade in a vacuum at the time. I thought it was yeah. a really smart pickup for a second. I was like, why? But like to me, it, it was frustrating because I was like, this is what you should have been doing with literally every other player you picked up. Like, <laughs> there's no reason you should have had to give up a second for step on. Or, it was weird. You know, even a fourth for Good Branson. It's like, well, I mean, I have not liked Good Branson all this year, but even his leadership or whatever, it's just. Anaheim loved to get that contract off the books because they went and signed Shattenkirk with that money. Yeah, yeah. He's a much better player than Eric Branson. It's same, <laughs> with, same with like Austin Watson's. Like I've, I haven't hated Austin Watson's game at all. I think it's been okay. Like it's been a, a pleasant, yeah, exactly, yeah. a very pleasant surprise that he can also pop a, a couple of goals here and there. Hasn't taken too many dumb penalties. I was like, you know what? I can yep. live with this. This Doesn't is a good. I still didn't think they need to give up that, like the asset in the trade, but it is what it is. But it was like, yeah, the, the Coburn one and the, the Paquette one. It's like, oh, yeah, like, great, you pick up an asset. And my biggest fear was that they were going to play. I was like, Paquette is definitely playing on this team. I didn't think Coburn was going to cry. I, that, was, <laughs> that was a dark day when I saw Coburn was beating like Brandstrom and Willan oh. out of the lineup. It's like, oh my God. But yeah, it was like, if they would have been on the taxi squad, it would have been perfect. But Paquette just gets jammed in there. And honestly, like, now you get a trade here where. I, I really enjoy it. You know, I, I think it's oh, yeah. a good tidy piece of work for, for Pierre Dorian here. Um, you know, he sends Paquette to Carolina who um, was tra- was practicing with Carolina within literally two days, which is insane to me. Like, yeah, no, it is. It is so weird to hear the, like the American COVID stuff where it's just like, no, stop. It's just like, oh yeah, these players are out in the, the Vegas casinos and then they go play. I'm like, what? No, do, do not. This is weird. But it, it, I am much happier knowing that Dezingle has to sit in the Brook Street for another 10 days or whatever uh, yes. then come out and practice. Well, I, I think guy. it was uh, Spencer Blake who he tweeted yeah. out. He's like, I think this is a pretty good reason why we see all the games being canceled in America none in Canada right now. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yes. Oh. But they send Gilchenyuk that way too and they get back, uh, I would say a fan favorite from a couple of years ago, Ryan Dezingle. You know, he yeah. kind of broke out in that 2017, 2018 stretch there. And, you know, um, I love the trade. I, I think this is a really good piece of work by Pierre, you know, 
it's only a gain. Yeah, it's I, how I, I look at it. it. Even if the single literally looks like crap, we offloaded Paquette, which was important there. Galchenyuk was, I didn't hate him when he played his few games for Ottawa, but he's also he just, nothing. He also he's just nothing. wasn't a fit. He wasn't a fit on that it, fourth it, line either. It, it right? really, and, yeah, it, exactly. It just didn't really make any sense. But you get someone with the speed of Dezingle, and if they're bringing my, Matt Pekka into the lineup for speed, which, A, why, when you have Formenton on the bench, come on, think about it for a second, if the reason you're bringing him up for speed. Not that I, I actually liked his game a lot last night for, for a person who hasn't played that many uh, NHL games. He didn't look. We'll get, uh, he yeah. didn't look bad. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get. We'll, we'll circle say, back we, in our. I was say, I, I, had, I, had Pe- I had Pekka written down because I wanted to talk about him quickly. Too, <laughs> okay, but. we'll we'll quick go back that. Yeah. Uh, but having someone like the Zingle, who just I think is a better player. Uh, and it's like a Duclair situation. This is a redemption period for Dezingle. He had he did not make it work that well in Columbus. He wasn't bad in Columbus, but it didn't look he didn't look like the Dezingle on the sense. And he just did not look good oh, in Carolina. Yeah. But he was, it, he was like, it was yeah, it was, and it, it was sad almost like. But he's also the exact opposite of what uh, Brindamore would want. He wants a player that is going to win the buck battles on the on the boards, who's going to fight, who's going to push. Dezingle is a, a, a fast, speedy scorer. He's going to want to get a pass. He's going to want to get an outlet pass, beat a defenseman on the outside, cut in and score. That's what he does. That's not what anyone on Carolina does or enables. They are a, a, a team with a system, and Dezingle did not fit it. So I am hoping that he comes in here, I think uh, his his comments to the media and all that about being excited to have another chance in Ottawa, and that's a special moment. I think he realizes, hey, I'm going to get ice time here. If I can pot 20... Well, okay, 20 goals is a lot for the last 30 games. If I can pot 12 goals, I'm going to get signed again. And or, I think... Or flip somewhere, like... Or flip somewhere, exactly. Like, if he can look good, he might end up going to... Uh, well, what's his contract right now? Uh, it's one year left at 3.8, I think? It's a little high, but well, we can retain salary or something say, like and, that. And yeah, halfway exactly. through the year, it, it gets cut down to about half of that. So it's yeah, one, so that one does half, help, right? So that does help a lot. So yeah, you do a move like that, or a, a player comes in like that. There's a lot for them to play. There's a lot for them to play for, and that's what I'm I'm really hoping to see from Ryan. Three point three is his cap hit, but yeah, yeah it's so not bad. That's not I, bad. I would say you retain a little bit, and yeah, honestly, I think there's a lot of teams that would be in on him at the deadline because you know space opens up the closer you get to the deadline. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I'm curious to see how they use him because again, like it's weird. I think he would fit better than the other two guys in the fourth line mold, but I, I think he's his skills are still a little more suited for that top nine where he can use his speed and skill a tad more. But if you yeah. have Dzingel, Norris, and Watson as a fourth line, I don't hate it. If you're gonna bump step on down there i'd rather see i don't even know i, I just maybe rather see even like a connor brown or someone go down to the fourth line left wing because i just feel like that's a more responsible line i don't i don't <laughs> like I, I just i don't see what you're gonna get out of like a dezingle if he's playing with step on and watson right like even yeah with how just average watson's been which is good but it's like it's fantastic it's, yeah. <laughs> he's not creating a ton of offense or anything like that right so yeah i am curious to see how they use them but yeah i just i don't think there's this is not a there's no like way I, this isn't a win like I just, oh yeah i i you know I, again i, I like galchenyuk i thought he was the perfect 13th forward for that one one of your top nine went out he could fill in for that exactly but, he just, he didn't fit that fourth line at all. And, you know, part of that maybe is on him, but part of it isn't, what can you do? And, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see because, you know, Dezingle was, 
in, in that 2017 run, I mean, he was awesome. I mean, he scored the, I think it was the tying goal in the game tie seven. Goal. Tie right? goal in and, game and, seven. Yeah. And then, you know, in, in 2018, even he was a lot of fun to watch before he got flipped to, to um, uh, Columbus and what still is one of the best trades, you know, Pierre Dorian has ever pulled off. In my <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see him back. I, I think, if you're a fan and you're wondering what he's going to bring, I think temper your expectations a little, just from what we saw before. He's not the same players two years ago, but if he can find his spark again, and as you said, score even, I think if he scores 10 goals, I, I think you can yep. flip him for even like a third round pick at the deadline. And you're, you're laughing because. Yeah, absolutely. That's free. You have two guys you didn't need for a free third round pick. You have 10 goals and a free third round pick. <laughs> like, so we'll see where it goes. And, you know, maybe he just, totally sputters out but then you know what send them on the taxi squad who cares you it's know? free like- it's free exactly we, we really gave up nothing for it and that's the trade that i like here when uh, dorian was talking about having to make a change i was worried it was going to be something huge and dumb uh but this is the kind of kind of move that that i want to see the team make and uh it, it's all upside it's all upside like i can see a line of like a third line of tierney the Zingle and Connor Brown or something like that, that can actually put on some really good zone pressure set up for some good pushes, some good play there. So that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I want to see us try and optimize our lineup rather than make a big splash. I also think that we can optimize the lineup by just looking to Belleville, but that's a whole other story. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, Let's get into this. So I definitely yeah, I agree there. Um, so I had Pekka written down because yeah. my take on Matthew Pekka right now is, well, coming into the season is why on earth would I want to watch this guy play? And <laughs> it hasn't changed all that much, but I will say it, it, my caveat is if you're not going to call up Philip Schlappick, who I think should be perfect for that fourth line left wing spot, yeah. and you're not going to call up Formanton, I would rather see Pekka play than Anisimov. I get it's a pretty low bar, but I have actually not hated what I've seen out of Pekka in two games so far. I liked him yesterday. I, I, I thought he played a very good game yesterday. I thought he, he had a lot of jump. He he looked smart. He didn't look like a, a player who had just been called up playing against an NHL team. He looked like an NHL player. Uh, it's just really hard to to be enthused because we know that who else is sitting on that bench. Like you're talking about Klapik. You're talking about, uh, or we, uh, yeah, Formanton. Because I think I, I was, must have been, I don't know who it was, but someone mentioned that the reason Pekka got brought up was for speed. DJ Smith wanted a speed infusion to the lineup, and it's just like There's we no have, way he's the fat. Yeah, yeah, we have Formanton, who is world beater. Him and McDavid, I think, are the fastest players in the league. Yeah, that we're just letting sit there. We're just yeah, letting yeah, sit yeah. on the sidelines, and why not just bring him up? What's the point? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I would much rather see him or it's like if, you know, the only argument I think maybe against Formanton is the classic, like you just, you have so many high end talent guys you want to see in the top nine and not on the fourth line. But like, yeah, even, that's why I think Schlappick would be like, it's not like he's a speedy, like a burner or anything, but he's got some it's speed fine. underneath him. And he, oh, yeah. he's just a smart player who's got some skill there too, where it's like, he's the perfect fit where he's going to be fine. He's responsible defensively as well. So on your fourth line, you know that, you know, you're not going to have a guy just absolutely throwing meatballs up the middle or anything <laughs> stupid like that. Right. But you have a guy who's, who's going to chip in on both sides of the ice. It's like, why would you not use that to your advantage more than just the corpse of Artem Anisimov, which like, it is insane to me. He scored 15 goals last year. I did a post on him at the beginning of the yeah. year this year. And I was like, I talked about how he should have been the 13th forward even before they acquired Paquette and Stepan. And, and <laughs> Which I didn't is even, true. Yeah, well, yeah, and I didn't even touch on his goals because 
I didn't think to look because I thought he had seven. There's <laughs> no way this dude scored 15 goals last year. Some of them were pretty too. Like there was a goal. Uh, I think it was an overtime goal against Dallas uh, late last season. That was a real good goal. Go yeah. on in, do, deke out, perfect little pop up there. He has the hands, but it's just like, I also think, like, look at him. The, he yeah. is in his tail end of his career. He has yeah. a cup or two with, with that. He's playing with a bunch of kids in and out of the lineup in Canada's COVID. Like, I can't blame him for not giving a shit. And, yeah. like, I think that if he really, really cared, we would be hearing a lot more from him in interviews and things like that. But he's just, he's not even going for these interviews. He's yeah. just like, he's just like, yeah, whatever. He's just kind of kicking back and, uh, and and just doing whatever needs to be doing. He's being the consummate professional, I guess, in this is in this sense. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, be, but just, I, I, right, I'd much rather yeah. that than stirring up drama and stupid stuff like that. You know, so, <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do? Um, yeah. Two quick, quick hitting questions here. One, we kind of kind of talked about him a little earlier. I asked if anyone had questions, and one of them was uh, give us Greg's NHL timeline. So when do we see Ridley Greg in the main in in with the big club and? I still think he's probably a couple of years away. You know, he's looked good in the AHL, but it's been two games. So let's not rush him or anything like that. Like the dude can still play in the yeah. world juniors next year. Right. <laughs> I would probably say two years at the very earliest, but realistically probably even three years, maybe before he's like a full-time member, if it's, he can crack this team. It's hard to think too, for where people are going to fall in. So it's, yeah. if this is how the team is going to look in two years where they keep saying they want, this is a, a winger year for Timmy Stew, but he'll end up moving into center. So Norris is a center. You got Timmy as a center, and I think that we'll probably pick another center in this upcoming draft in either the first or the second round there who would compete for this. You've got your first two slots are taken then for Norris and Stutzel. I don't see Greg, Greg being... Uh, an offensive dynamo in the NHL either with how his game is played. I think it's a fantastic one. Third line center is where he lands. So I think we still have, well, yeah, Tierney's done after next season. Uh, and then Colin White is going to be probably hammered in as our third or second line center, probably swapping in and out for the next five years as well. So I find it pretty hard to see a spot where Greg can just really run in and come up without having to kind of replace someone. So I say two years, but I even think it could be three or four. I think that he is going to end up being a, uh, AHL staple for a little bit. And I think that's not bad for him because I think that he's a, a, a lot of talent. I just don't see him being able to outperform those three centers in front of him right now. You didn't even mention Logan Brown either, who I think <laughs> could be another option. We'll get, there's a question about him too. But yeah. That's, that's a whole other. <laughs> no, right? Yeah. So, but I think with Colin White too, yeah. I could see him sliding to the wing if he's needed. Like if Stutzel actually does become a top centerman, I think that, uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea from Ottawa to slide white to the wing because I, he does have some skill, you know, and he can play. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be a, a fine second line winger and a good third line centerman. You know, that's kind of where like, absolutely. Right. So I, if, if it gets to the point where they are, you know, too deep at center, which is a great problem to have, <laughs> just move a guy to the wing because it's a lot easier to move from mm -hmm. center to the wing than it is wing to center. Right. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely. I, I, I think, I think, you know, minimum two years, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Greg as like a, a three or four, Year in the it also depends where the team is, right? Like, yeah. if the team's you know, in hopefully in two years, they're actually starting to really be you know, like a, a competitor for playoffs. And, um, I'm not gonna say cop, but you know, just like 
a team that you want to see be making the playoffs and having a threat in the playoffs for at least a round or two in two or three years. And if that's the case, I don't see where Greg fits in right away, but you know, he can probably be that guy in the AHL where, you know, maybe you get an injury halfway through the year and he comes up and plays 20 games and then, you know, you you see what you have from him there. Right. And and so I, I, that's kind of where I think I, I see him fit, but it's also so hard to tell, right. His development, who knows with the development curve normally, but even with COVID, like who knows if the mm-hmm. CHL is going to be a normal year next year or anything like that. Oh, or, absolutely. Exactly. Right? So it, it's, it's, it's too early, but you know, he's, he's also a player that I think wasn't on a lot of people's radars too. So it's not like we have the, in our back pockets like, Oh yeah. Well, when he was 15 on his junior A team, he moved up and down the lineup to play these roles. It's like, I barely know anything about him. And I, it's, great that we're getting to talk about our our 28th overall pick here in a in a in a light being like well you know what he could push for a position because that is that is a luxury that a lot of teams don't have absolutely and then the other question i said it was logan brown uh, matt clark asked if logan brown can't fit what do you do with him and i like I, I if if you don't see k so here's my i would i think he can fit i i think you sh- they should be trying it that being said, if they truly do not see him in their long-term plans, trade him yeah. now while he still has value. He's got um, something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because if, you're, if your plan is to torpedo him on the fourth line with Austin Watson and Artem Anisimov or whatever, <laughs> and again, like no offense to Watson, it's just when you have a prospect who needs, you know, some more skill to play with Watson's not necessarily the guy, but if your whole plan is just sit him on the fourth line and go see, he didn't succeed. What do you want us to do? Just trade him now while he still probably has a little bit more value. You know, don't I, – and I think they've tanked his value already. I think what I would have rather see, if he wasn't in their long-term plans coming into the summer, I much would have rather just see him flipped. I wouldn't have agreed with it probably, but, like, you got to maximize value. And at some point, you just got to accept he's a sunk cost. And if he doesn't fit or he's not in your long-term plans, you just got to move on. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's 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 tough because I love the player because a six foot six center with hands as good as his hands and the speed as good as his speed. Not that it looks good, but it's just because he's six six. He's gonna look like he's gliding because he is mostly human at this point. Like he's got to fight a lot of air. But uh, there's a lot that has disappointed me, and uh, I I think it's hard to blame someone for the injuries. But it's it's plagued him since junior. He will get injured and he will go down for a while, and it it makes it hard for him to string together all of the uh, all of the the time that he needs to play to to convince us otherwise. So it's like he got injured in the Memorial Cup. He got injured last year, I think, for about twenty games, if I'm remembering right. The year before was another fifteen games. He's injured right now. <laughs> yeah, I say he's hurt it, game two of the AHL season. Yeah, and it's just like it's. I don't like to blame people for injuries because they're injuries, but it, it is it is the biggest factor in my mind for trying to figure out whether he's anything. It is he needs to be able to play eighty two games in a row for me to say, hey, you should be up here a hundred percent, but. This is also the COVID season. That doesn't mean anything. So if you are going to uh, bring up a player that might not actually be a great player, not that I'm saying that about Logan Brown, this is the season to do it. You can yeah. absolutely slam him onto the third line for, for five games in a row and just say, okay, you're good. Okay, you're not good. Like, And flip him for a second. Like, There are so many options that are better than sit in the Brook Street Hotel and play a few AHL games. That is just – it's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive. 
I never understood why he wasn't even on the taxi squad. And I know people were like, well, the, the AHL team practices harder than they're harder than the taxi squad does. I was like, but your whole thing this year is about like, getting the new guys ready and, and teaching yeah. them what an NHL grinds about. You think being able to travel with the team and seeing how they practice and seeing how they live and stuff like that would be much more beneficial than sitting in Belleville or wherever the hell they've been captured <laughs> for the past month and a half. And just like, like, I don't know. And so, you know, I think the, the good thing for Logan Brown is um, because he's a high pick, he's an 11th overall pick. He's a big, big player. We traded up for him. I was going to say, yep. And he, he's had, uh, he's had a bunch of points in the AHL before those three things are the big three things that will keep giving you job opportunity after job opportunity after job opportunity in the NHL. So I do think the good thing for Ottawa here is that even though I think they probably killed his value compared to what it was about a year or two ago, they can still probably get even like a second round pick, as you said, for yeah. him, which in the grand scheme of things, yes, is disappointing. But if you can get a second or third from a guy who you have absolutely no intentions on using again, you just, I think you got to do it right. Like Curtis, Curtis Lazar things. is, uh, is our Drake Batherson right there. So yep. uh, there you go. If we can do a play like that, absolutely. That's not bad. Exactly. So that, that's what I would say with Logan Brown. I, I do think he deserves a shot just, from what he's seen in the NHL, yes, I, I do agree with you that health is a massive issue in terms of being an everyday player. But I would just in this season, I would just I just want to see him get a shot. I hope he does post deadline. You know, if yeah, if they exactly. step on or something like that, I really uh-huh. do hope that he he gets a shot up in you know with with the big club because I, I do think he's deserved at least a couple of games. Oh, absolutely. No. Well, the big thing that made me mad before the Winnipeg win was just how little we were doing to change the team. Like if we're not playing the young players because we want to have a competitive team, well, we're not like that. That's the big thing. Like we lose, we lost spectacularly six games in a row or something like that. So you cannot use that excuse to be like, well, we want to be able to, we don't want the mistakes because it, it, it makes no sense. And it's just the, it's insane to just ice the same lineup over and over when we're getting absolutely destroyed on ice. So that's when I wanted to see Logan Brown come in, Foreman and come in. And it was weird to me that it didn't happen, but the Sens are the only team that are using the taxi squad in this absurdly weird way where it's like, instead of it being like, okay, these are players that might play or we want to get in. It's like, (laughs) no, you are people that we don't care about. Yeah. 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 Know your place. You are nothing. Unless you're a goalie, you are nothing. And it's like the taxi squad felt like Batman was like, I'm thinking of Ottawa specifically Ottawa with this taxi yeah. squad. And like, uh, we're just, just a using free it out to have more guys on your team. And they're like, no, let's just take a bunch of bottom six. AHL <laughs> it's like, okay. we, we need Haley. Yeah. You never know. Kind of bullshit like that. Oh. Yeah. And I've, I've been one of the biggest, uh, I'll get you out of here in a second. I feel bad. Oh, I'm taking fine. so much of your time. No, but, it's all good. It's all good. But I've been one of DJ Smith's biggest detractors. Even last year, I didn't love the job he did, but it was, he had such a bad roster. I was kind of like, okay, wait, what can you do? <laughs> Right. They sold the, the getting rid of the young guys as it was better for the development. And maybe it was, but this year, you know, it was just disgusting the way he used the roster at the start, to be honest. And oh, it to, was, it to was his nonsense. Credit, to his credit, I think he's done a much better job recently of at least using the young guys that he's got. Like we saw in that 6 5 Ottawa win over Toronto, the yeah. guys who tied the game up, who did I list? Kachuk, Batherson, Norris, Dadanov, Shabbat, and. It was someone else young, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was someone, Stutzel, Stutzel was out yeah, on yeah, yeah, so exactly. It was like five of your youngest six players or whatever were out on the ice. And it's like, 
yes, that is exactly what I want to see. And and it worked. Yes, and it worked. And it's like, great. And it's like, you can go two ways on that where you can be screaming. It's like, why weren't we doing this the whole time? But also there's a little bit where there's a, definitely a scenario where DJ Smith doubled down this year and goes, no, 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 no. Connor Brown is actually the way to go. You know, like, exactly <laughs> what Dee Boucher yep. did. But he didn't do that. And he goes, he admits sometimes. And like, oh, yeah, times where it annoys me where it's like, hey, this is your job. You shouldn't have to get a <laughs> reminder of this. But it, there's sometimes where he goes, yeah, like I think a guy like Stutzel deserves more minutes or the Kachuk line. He said he wants more minutes. I think I need to give it to him. I love to see that out of a coach. I, I don't. He is not, not arrogant. So, Yes, he is yes, not arrogant, exactly. and he there. Like you were saying, there are gaffes that you're just like, "Come on, this is the NHL. You're you're better than this, DJ. You're better than this." It's frustrating to see. Uh, but after the last what three coaches that we've had in Boucher, Cameron, and uh, McLean, they were unwavering in this is the way to do it or get out of here. This is my team. We're playing my hockey and Smith. I think, well, what really struck me was both him and Murray uh, was just like, no, we had to sit down in the office and I just told Murray, stop worrying. So just play your game. Stop being so focused on having to carry everything and just go instant turnaround. Like they were like, yeah, we had a a talk, blah, blah, blah. Instant turnaround. Murray also seems happier. I really think that he is uh, a genuinely good person. Maybe not the best coach, but I think he's a good person, which at this point in time for the team, in my opinion, might be more important than an all world winning coach because it's instilling a very good attitude. And when you lose six games in a row, the fact the coach isn't out there after every game screaming your name, that you're, you're garbage, you're bad, uh, I think lets these young players not overfocus, not end up spiraling and then playing worse. Now, at the same time, don't bench a player for one mistake like he was doing in the first five, ten games. Like, come on, that was absurd. Wallenin, though, Wallenin has had some rough games here and there, too. I get I get that, but like he shouldn't have to worry about taking a penalty and meaning okay, you're bench next game. Like that's for that's unhealthy. Colburn especially, it's like <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think like to me, DJ Smith kind of feels like one of those coaches where he's going to be with the team for a couple more years, but in two or three years, when they inevitably probably don't get over the hump they wanted to, I feel like yeah. that's when you bring in a new guy who is more of a systems guy who you know is going to help get more of the skill out. But I can absolutely see why players love DJ Smith because. He was on the Toronto TSN 1050 um, on overdrive the other night. And I, I love listening to that station. I think all three of those guys are hilarious, but <laughs> they had him on after the six, five win. And, you know, he was just, I, I think his biggest issue in terms of he PR anyways, is he tries to gas his players up a little too much. Um, yeah. And, but he like, you know, even his, he said, he's like, yeah, I sat Colin white down a little bit. I hate scratching guys. It's the last thing I absolutely want to do. And I legitimately believe him versus someone like John Tortorello. It's like, bullshit. You love scratching guys. And to his credit, he was like, and by the way, white has been like one of our best forwards over the past he, seven games. Right? He like, will, he will admit when his de- decisions were wrong or when uh, a player is doing yeah like he'll he'll talk about white there and he talked about Willan and after Willan made that comment he's like well I was looking at those fancy stats and you yeah. know what he's kind of showing he should be in the NHL so that he is very candid about yeah. things and I do think that he has a respect from the players that uh but, is important for a team this bad 
And that and, and that's great, you know. And like yeah. I, I do think that's why you know I don't. People a couple of weeks ago were screaming for you know him and Dorian to be fired and everything. It's like <laughs> you don't gain anything from firing your coach midway through why a this season. season right? Yeah, like, why yeah. this season? Like, come on! Like, exactly. there is an argument to be made. And who are you going to replace him with? It, exactly. And there was no yeah. expectation. Capuano. Yeah. We're going like, to put Capuano right in right yeah. after. Come on. But yeah, his Get biggest. Thing, here, I, I think yeah. his biggest thing for PR is just like. He goes so far out of his way to hype guys. Like the Mike Riley quote the other night. I don't know if you saw him. He was like, oh, he's been our it. best defenseman, except for Shabbat and Zaitsev. So it's like, so he hasn't been your best defenseman. He's been the third best defenseman. And then, yeah, and then he talked about Zoom too. And he's like, oh, yeah. Zoom is amazing. It's, yeah. like, it's like, just say he's been really good. That's all you need yeah. to do, dude. But yeah, I, I think uh, that's where he gets a little caught up. But you know what? It, I'd rather that. Else. I'd rather that's, someone yeah. who gets caught up in that kind of silliness than being like, well, this player has to play better if they ever want to make it and Especially or your bench at this point yeah. in the season it's like yeah, I, I don't exactly. agree with everything he does but I, I do think that there's probably something to be said that he's he's a good fit for a team that's struggling like this was gonna struggle maybe not quite like this but gonna struggle to a pretty hard degree anyways oh god and yeah their spirits seem to still be pretty up considering they have won five games in 20 or whatever it is, 18 or whatever it is. Well, that's, that's what gets me is they still look like they're freaking having a blast. Like, you, like no. you watch them, like, it's clear they want to win, but like you watch some of the content that's coming out and it's like, they're having fun. You're watching Brady and, and Tim kind of mess around on the ice. You're, you're hearing stories about just like funny things that they're doing at their, their houses. And they're it's just speaking like German. The, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. in the North, kind of like German for Stutzel oh, or whatever. It's like, oh, that's, it's, it's great. It honestly, it's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's it's just really fantastic that uh, the team is is still a cohesive unit in that, and that's that's the part that I'm I'm happiest about is that the team looks like they genuinely enjoy playing with each other. Yeah, and it just makes the on ice product that much better too, because they're, yeah. even that five one game they could have just shut down and said screw this, we're going home, but they made it entertaining. <laughs> and there, there's been games like that too, you know, the Edmonton eight five game was like oh, they could have shut it down, but they they yeah. they kept chipping away and it didn't feel like they were going to win at any point, but it was just better than the alternative of just saying, screw this. Let's go home. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I'm loving it. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me oh, today, man. Thank as you always, for having it, me. This it's was been a blast. an absolute blast. Just a we pleasure. got sidetracked as we always will. And <laughs> always, there's yep. hours of content. So uh, have fun editing sucker. This is why I like being a guest on podcasts because I don't have to do any of the post work. So enjoy it yourself. So much better. Isn't it? Uh, plus some stuff, <laughs> uh, where, where can people find you? Um, I, I don't shut up. You've seen my my face, I'm sure, on Twitter with some dumb take associated with it. But at Matt Bosty, but you should really follow better people. That is that is my pitch. Stop following me. Nothing good can come of it. Uh, he sells himself a little short. <laughs> I, 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 there's very funny to it, especially when you just circle back on the same oh, joke over. And I, I love it. You <laughs> made me viral, like, baby. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even mention Shane Pinto. For friggin' centers coming up. Yeah, like that's the thing yeah. about the Sens right now is we've got so many people. All right, let's not get into it. But like, <laughs> I forgot Shane Pinto existed. Exactly. We are the luxury of a Sens fan right now is I am forgetting top quality prospects. But everyone, thank you so much for listening to me. Now you've plugged your own stuff, even though I know people are going to be like, they follow you if they're listening, but give, give a good plug. I don't want to feel that arrogant. You never know. Yeah. I, as always, guys, <laughs> if you get, you can follow me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. Uh, the account at last word on sends. Uh, you can find all my work at last word on hockey and uh, mile high hockey. If you want to read about my Colorado avalanche stuff. So thank you everyone for listening, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me. This is an absolute blast. And uh, yeah, hope everyone has a great week. I'll talk to you all next week.